Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from lead pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. Um, pastor Joe asked me to do the uh, elder prayer today, and as usual, he'll usually give us a link that has the song that we're going to follow. And this song, Raised with Christ, kind of hit me hard. Uh, Friday and then again yesterday so I'd like to read you the words that uh, Gabby so eloquently put out to us raised with Christ we have found our freedom we are free indeed the empty grave is our victory our sin is canceled and this is the part I want you to get he has nailed it to the cross the king of heavens is alive in us um, I'm doing a Charles Stanley study right now on version, and one of the things that I love about Charles Stanley is he, doesn't, he, he never seems to sugarcoat anything. And, uh, and he says, and this is his words, we are all born with a bend away from God. The person who willingly receives the sacrifice of Jesus and truly believes in him has a new bend in him to flourish in this life. How will you use this gift to help others around you to flourish in your daily walk with Christ. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we come to you today with uh, sad hearts for some of us, with things that are going on in our lives, with happy hearts, with glad hearts. One of the things that I can say, Lord, is that you're in charge. Thank God you're in charge. And I ask you today, Lord, to uh, bless Pastor Joe as he teaches us one more time how to flourish in this life and how to give back. Because it's not about me, it's all about you. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Scott and uh, Gabby and team. Uh, Gabby, thank you for leading so well in, in Kyler's absence. We, we do appreciate that, and uh, thank you so much for that. Kyler is uh, out um, from some well-deserved rest as he uh, also celebrates his birthday. So next time you see him, he'll look a year older. Be sure to tell him Joe said that, okay? That, hey, you just look a year older. Boy, what's up? Hey, um, I have, we, we've been in a series that I've entitled Flourish. We've been in it for really the last 12 weeks because God's word has just so much to teach us about living the life of flourishing that God has envisioned in his, his mind. And I want to conclude this series today by looking at the topic that I believe that Jesus displayed throughout his whole earthly life and described in pretty much all of his teaching, and uh, I think it's one of the most prominent pathways, if you would, to find human flourishing as God has intended, and it is through the service of others. So if you have your Bible, I want to go back to that passage that our sister uh, Lynn read for us uh, earlier. We're going to be in John 13 um, today, and I want to go back and I want to I read that uh, again uh, with you. Um, I'm reading out of ESV right now. John 13, verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he rose from supper. 
He laid aside his outer garment and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. So Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. Verse 12. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garment and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your teacher, Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. This is the word of the Lord. Now, I have, um, I have in my life had lots of opportunities to rub shoulders with some great servants of God. Uh, and I am very, very grateful for that. People who just display the life and love of, of Jesus by, by serving others. And as I thought about them, I, I, I kind of thought about some, what I'll call common characteristics, if you would, of people whose lives I've, I've seen um, that, that just really, really serve well. And uh, I, I, as I thought about it, I thought, okay, this is, these are some things that uh, I need to, 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 to kind of model after. Um, one of the things that I've noticed about servants is uh, servants uh, don't really start with what you do. Real true servants of the Lord start with an attitude of the heart. And so one of the first things that I have observed is this about, about servants of God, that serving is a matter of the heart long before it's ever a matter for our hands. It, it starts in, in the human, human heart. Now, great servants, they come in all shapes and sizes, and uh, sometimes they are the most ordinary uh, looking of people, uh, but they do some incredible, extraordinary things as they seek to serve. And, and here's the deal. Anyone can become a servant if they will develop and pursue having first a, a, a servant's heart. And so you might ask the questions, okay, so where's that, where's that magic line? Where's that place that I cross over, you know, going from uh, a, a servant? Uh, how, how do I get there? You know, do I do, I do certain things? And, and maybe, you could, maybe you could do that. I don't know. That, that, that would be it. I want to introduce you um, to a friend of mine who um, is a servant uh, here. Um, he's not the only servant in our church, but there's some things that are going on in his life that I want to introduce you to so that you can be praying for him. And uh, I'm going to ask Adrian. Where's Adrian? Oh, there he is. Come on up, Adrian, if you would. And... Um, 
Y'all welcome Adrian to the stage. Yeah, there you go. Adrian is, is surprised because last service I started at the beginning with him. And this time I changed my mind as I was walking up here. So um, Flexibility. Surpri- surprise um, that uh, it's not unusual. Adrian's used to that with me. Um, yeah. Uh, Adrian serves on our tech team. Uh, he gives some leadership to our 20-something ministry. Um, serves in lots of ways around here. One of the places that Adrian serves, it's not on our campus here, but it's on our other campus over in Midland Park called Low Country Cares. It's a ministry that we've been in partnership with since 2002, and uh, God has done some just incredible things in that ministry. A lot of you serve there and donate so that ministry can take place. Um, it, it works to really serve some of the underserved in our community, folks who uh, experience food challenge and, and things like that. And Adrian shared a story with me uh, that happened a couple of months ago that I've just asked him to come and, and share with you. So Adrian, just tell us what happened here a couple of months ago while you were serving over there. So over at Low Country Cares, we do anywhere between 10 to 30 families, maybe even less than that or more than that. But about two months ago, um, this family that com- that comes every Every couple of weeks, um, typically it's a mom and a little boy that's maybe three or four. Um, and I've gotten to know them because they typically come on Thursdays, which are my days that, that I go and serve. And they are there to get food. Um, and y'all, this food, keep in mind that we give out is donations. It's not meal from a five-star gourmet restaurant. You know, it's, meal, it's food that you guys donate that we get from um, Food Lion, from Publix, um, and, you know, it's, it's nothing special. It's, it's just food. And um, so this mom and her boy, they typically come on Thursdays. And what was different about this day is he came with his dad. And this family does not speak any English. And so every time I go to the car to um, open the trunk and put the food in, they, this little boy is always so excited to, to, to be there and to see us. Um, and I opened the trunk, and in Spanish, he doesn't speak any English. He just said, hola, like to the, te- to the as loud as he possibly could. I won't do that because microphones and technology and, you know. Um, but he just got so excited. He said, hola. I said, hola. And then we talked for maybe like a minute. And then I started to put the food in. And I remember that day, it wasn't a ton of food. It was maybe five or six bags with canned food, canned fruit and meat and maybe some milk and just just really simple things that you and I might take for granted. Um, and so I started putting it in, and in Spanish, he, this little boy that's four years old just got so excited. He started saying to his dad in Spanish, Papa, we have food. Dad, we have food over bread and fruit and veggies, just something, again, that we would take for granted. So to see this little boy that gets so excited over something so small, it was really touching and really cool. Adrian, what, when, when you have moments like that, I know that's not the only one you've experienced like that over there, but when, when God gives you a moment like that, what does it do in your own soul? What, what kind of, what happens? What thoughts do you have? Uh, so anytime that I'm serving or I see others serve and, and things get accomplished like that, it reminds me of a couple of things. One, that God is still at work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I can think, I think we can all agree that this past year has been really, really crazy, to put it simply. And you kind of look at the world and you're like, God, what are you doing? And then you see something like that or any other instances and you say, okay, God's still at work. The world might be crazy, but he's still in charge and he, he knows what he's doing. Um, and so just to see something that small take place you know, in our own backyards 
it's it's very gratifying and it's it brings me joy and to see others serve and just it reminds me that okay there's still work to be done and that you know we're going to do it and the lord's called us to it amen now uh speaking of the lord's called us to it the uh the lord has called you to a kind of a unique opportunity this summer um and we want to be praying for you about that uh you're going to be working with an organization that is familiar to many here in our church because our student ministry has been engaged with Mission Serve. Um, but you're, you're, you're stepping into a role of leading uh, Mission Serve projects. Can you just tell us a little bit about, about that journey and what you're going to be doing this summer so we'll know how to pray effectively for you? Yeah, so about two or well, about, probably about six or eight, eight months ago, um, you and I actually had a conversation of, okay, you know, have you thought about ministry? Just kind of chit-chatting, and that kind of came up, and I, and I answered. I was like, um, yeah, but I don't really know what that looks like. I'm like, sure, why not? Just let's see what God does. And um, so a couple of days after, I started to pray about it. And with Mission Serve, it is, you know, a company that we, or organization that we go to, we, we go with, and it's a bunch of other churches, and we get together and work on roofs and siding and flooring and inside and outside yard work and just kind of any other projects that they might need done in the community around um, all up and down the East Coast. And so I started praying, God, what would this look like? And then they popped up about in, I would say, June or July of last year. They were accepting applications to two different positions. One is a technical project specialist, which is what I'll be doing which in the name, it literally is what it is, technology with pictures and videos and worship and that kind of stuff. And then with another one with administrative type work with paperwork and, and stuff like that. And so I applied and, and then in October we had interviews and we talked and um, I got accepted in, Ju in December. Um, and then, so with this one, I will be leaving Saturday and I will be coming back in late July. So this is your last Sunday with us. Yes. And uh, we want to... Uh... We want to be in prayer, and I'm hopeful that you're going to be letting us know somehow what's going on now. I know you're going to be swamped, and so we won't, we won't, feel, we won't feel cut off or hurt or anything if you don't get to, to communicate that often, because I know you're going to be very, very busy serving. One of the things that was fascinating to me was that um, the, the, the role that God has given you in this, you've been preparing for all year because of the technology training that we've been doing around Super, here, yes. learning. Yeah, it's been incredible to watch you, you and others do that, and we're grateful for that. And um, we have an opportunity to, to pray for our dear brother and kind of send him and commission him uh, out to do this work. And his folks are here today, and so Jeff, I'm going to ask you. Jeff is going to come and pray, lead us to pray over his son. His, his mom and sisters are coming up, and they're going to uh, uh, lead us to pray uh, for Adrian, for this work that he's going to be doing, and um, for the provision that, that God is going to bring. There's a microphone right right there, if you'd grab that coming up, Jeff. And once you all get up here, feel free to unmask and, and, uh, and pray over your son. And I'm just going to kind of stand back here and pray too. Y'all welcome them to the stage as well. <laughs> the, the Harris, Von, Von Harris troop. Let's go to the Lord. Lord, we love you, and we just thank you. Um, thank you for this day, this opportunity that we have to send one of our children out. Um, we lift you up, and we know that uh, your protection is on his life. We know that uh, you see all things, and you've already prepared a way, but we just 
as a body. Uh, just ask uh, your grace and your mercy on him as he travels, as he drives these trucks and trailers around. Um, send your angels of protection uh, ahead of him and all that he does. We pray for grace in his life. We pray for wisdom as he works with others. We pray for courage uh, to step out into the unknown. Um, Lord, we just ask that in all that he does with this team as he serves, that the ultimate goal is that someone will know you differently. They'll see a mission in their life, maybe. They'll see you for the first time. And we just pray that as he goes through those doors, he'll do it faithfully, bravely, and with uh, an anxiousness for what you're going to do in his life. Give him direction um, and just equip him right now in the name of Jesus to do a mission for you. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Y'all remember Adrian Harris, okay? Write his name down if you haven't and, and pray for them. Thank you guys so much for coming. Amen. All right. One of the reasons that I wanted to bring Adrian up when I did was in the context of that, that statement about a servant's heart, that it starts in the heart before it ever gets to the hands. And I have seen that lived out uh, in, in our precious brother's life. His heart is about service. And that's one of the reasons it lands in his hands so well. And those of us who have been recipients of ministry that, that Adrian has done um, for us and to us around here know that it flows from this, just this incredible, precious heart of wanting to, to serve the Lord. Um, you know, it... That, that line I was talking about of what, what does that line look like? You know, is it that I, I'll, you know, do I go to the hospital and visit the sick or do I, you know, make a pot of chicken soup for somebody who's ill or, you know, wh wh how, do you, how do you know that you, you've, you've crossed that line? Is it something that I do? And the answer to that question is no, it's not something you do. Because all of those do's you can do from a wrong mo wrongly motivated heart. You know, you could, you could cook a bowl of soup. You could go visit somebody in the hospital and, and it'd be about being seen. It'd be about somebody saying, that a boy, that a girl. It, it could be for those kind of motives. And so the, it, it's not about the doing as much as it is about the, the heart to serve. Another thing that I've noticed that, that great servants have taught me is this, is that serving will come easier for some people uh, but all Jesus followers are called to serve. It, it, it will just come easier for, for some. Here's the reason why. Because God's word tells us that there are some who have been gifted by the Holy Spirit. Uh, there are a couple of lists in the Bible, in the New Testament, about spiritual gifts. And a spiritual gift is simply a divine empowerment, enablement that the Holy Spirit puts in you, that he manifests himself, the work that he wants to do through you to the body and to the world. And so uh, some people have the gift of service. In Romans chapter 12, it tells us, if your gift is serving others, serve them well. There's this long list of gifts, and that's one of them. There are people in the body of Christ here at River Bluff who it is, it is easier for them to serve than it is for some of the rest of us. But that doesn't mean they're more important. 
It just means they have this gift. It also doesn't mean that those of us that don't have the gift of service are off the hook. We're still called by God to follow the life of his son Jesus and serve others sacrificially. Look at Galatians chapter 5 with me, verse 13. It says, you are indeed called to be free. We sang about that freedom. Brothers and sisters, but don't turn this freedom into an excuse for your corrupt nature. You don't, don't, don't let it be about you and self-centeredness. Uh, to, don't let those express themselves. Rather, serve each other through love. That verse, Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, is one of the reasons for me throughout this last year, I've been wearing this crazy thing, is to serve others. It's one of the reasons I went and got the vaccine. It's to serve others. And quite frankly, at times, like you, I don't like that thing. But there have been moments when I've thought about protecting somebody else that it brings me joy. It, 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 it does that. See, I see both of those actions as a way to serve others. Now, I, I mean, I've been vaccinated for almost a month now, fully vaccinated. And so supposedly it, I've been safe, but I, I continue to wear that. And I will continue to wear it in, in certain environments because I think it will provide comfort for somebody else. Now, so, you know, whether you find it easy or difficult to be a servant um, we're all called to serve others and to sacrifice. And I forgot to say something earlier about the, the mask thing. And um, we're not going to be doing a checkup to find out who's vaccinated or not. Okay? So don't, that, that's, not, that's not happening. Um, we're just asking everybody to follow the, the CDC guidelines. Now, whether you, you find it easy or difficult to be a servant, we're all called by God, if Jesus is alive in us, to follow him into, into ministry, into serving. Another big kind of general idea I've learned for people that I've, I've rubbed elbows with who are great servants is this, is our only perfect servant model should be Jesus. Now, I know your, your grandma was a great servant. I, I know, I get it. You know, I, I, I get that you have some other people in your lives who have been, been great servants, and I've been blessed to be around a, a lot of great servants, but none of them were perfect. I'm not perfect. None of us, none of us are. The only perfect one that we can model our lives after, surely, no imperfections, is, is Jesus. His, his model for service will, will never let us down, even though we will let each other down at, at times. He needs to be our ultimate model, and it can only be Jesus. There are a couple of verses that really speak to this. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, like I said, I've hung out with a lot of great servants, but I've never had any of them really give up their life as a ransom for many. They've served pretty sacrificially, but they have not had them actually give up their lives. And uh, there's another passage of Scripture, Philippians chapter 2. It's one of my favorite passages to meditate on about our Lord Jesus. And it tells us that we need to have this same attitude, which was also in Christ Jesus. That he didn't count equality with God something to be grasped, even though he, was in, uh, he existed as God. But that he emptied himself... And he took the form of a bondservant, the lowest form of a servant. He took on that form. That's who Jesus is. He, he, he sacrificed everything. So he's our only perfect model. He left the splendor. He left the glory of heaven where the angels worshipped him all the time, magnified him. He came to this broken, messed up planet 
so that he could be mocked and rejected and beaten and tortured to death. And only Jesus did that. He's the perfect model for, for servanthood. Now, we could go anywhere in the Scripture, I think, in the New Testament especially, in the Gospels specifically, and just land pretty much anywhere and see Jesus serving d- dynamically. But on that night, this Thursday night that we just read about, that Lynn read to us earlier as well, on that Thursday night, there's a great display there of, of what it means to be a servant. And I want us to be captured by that. A couple of things that I want us to see in general principles uh, for service, but then some very specific ways that, that Jesus served. Because there that night were all of the disciples. They were all gathered in that room. And because Jesus' mood throughout that last week had been pretty pensive, pretty, pretty tense. He, was, uh, pretty t- he wasn't as gregarious as Jesus normally is. It impacted the disciples. And so they're, they're there in that upper room, and I imagine conversations going on. It's probably a little different experience than they normally experienced. And Jesus talks, and, and every time he speaks, it's like something deep in his soul is, is, is at work. And so Jesus, as he's eating this meal... He knows things. He knows Judas is about to betray him. He knows in just a short time, uh, Roman soldiers are going to come with sores and drag him away. He knows these things. He knows he's going to stand before Herod and Pilate and uh, Caiaphas and Annas. And he, he knows these things. And, and then just a few short hours after those, he's going to be hanging on a cross. Jesus knows this. And there's this conversation going on in the room. And while that's happening, the Bible tells us that Jesus rises, no explanation given. He just gets up. He takes off his outer garment, his tunic, if you would. He takes it off. He wraps a, a, a towel that would have been designated for slave around his waist. He pours water into a, a basin, and then with no words, he just goes down and starts washing the feet of the disciples that are probably laying down, kind of lounging around the table. He just goes and starts washing them. Probably brushes them off first because they're dusty and then puts water on them and wipes them down, kind of like a foot massage, if you would. And then he takes the towel and, 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 and he dries them and he wipes, he wipes their feet dry. And then he moves to the next disciple and repeats the action and the next disciple. And the scriptures tell us there's no, there's no conversation going on at this moment. No, nobody's talking. I believe they're dumbfounded. I, I believe they're dumbfounded because of some guilt and maybe some shame. I think they're, they're kind of in shock from all of that as they watch here what Jesus is doing. That Jesus is in this act of washing their feet. He is giving us today and the disciples that day clear instructions on what Christian service is. And so I want us to, as we walk through this, to see how this foot washing is really about Christian service. It was unforgettable to those men that day, and I'm praying this will be unforgettable to you. And there's some big ideas uh, about the value of Christian serving that I see here, and then some very specific things that uh, I I want us to walk away with. First, uh, just looking at how this is indicative of all uh, of Christian service. Now, I, don't, I know it, it maybe have been some time since you've had people over to your house, so you may be a little rusty with this. But if I were to say, um, 
if a guest was coming over, what is a common courtesy you might extend to somebody who's visited in your home? Offer them something to drink or something like that. Some of y'all are not real quick on the draw on this. I'm thinking, you know, I know you're rusty. Um, it, it may have been a while, but uh, now I'm nervous about ever coming to your house. If, if you're not going to, you know. Anyway, the, um, but, so there, there are these common courtesies that we extend to people when they visit us. In Jesus' day, a common courtesy was to have your feet washed. So you'd show up, knock on the door, say, hey, I'm, I'm here. And you would probably be greeted with a kiss from the host. And then the next thing that would happen, they would say, can I get your feet washed? Now, in, in that day, they went you know, everywhere. They pretty much walked, and the roads were dusty unless it had rained, and then they were muddy. And you know, it was a hot climate, so they were sweaty and, and grimy. But it was an everyday common courtesy to have someone's feet washed. That was just kind of a thing that, that, that they did in those days. And it was, it was known. It was a sign of just a common courtesy. And so that's a takeaway that I see um, from this story for us is that Christian service, the way we serve the world, should be like something that's common. It should just be a common courtesy. It should be a way of life. It should be something that we engage in. And so in, in Jesus' day, it was a common courtesy. But what was uncommon about this moment was who was doing the, the washing. See, if someone came to your house and you were the, the host, you didn't wash the feet. You had a slave who would come wash their feet. You'd call them in and they would, they would engage in that. But here Jesus is washing their feet. Look at John 13, verses 4 and 5. It says, he laid aside his outer garment. He took a towel. He tied it around his waist. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. Folks, one of the things that's true about uh, anyone who will follow Jesus into service is that serving should begin to look like just something common to us, but it should be done in un uncommon ways. So that those outside of the church that we're, we're seeking to serve would, would just think Christians, followers of Jesus, they just serve. It's just, it's just common. It's, it's, it's what they do. Now, the specifics of what they do is countercultural. The specifics of what they do is extraordinary. It's, it's uncommon. And there should be some, what I'll call, shock value in our common acts of service. Jesus gave that to the disciples in that upper room. He took something very common and he did something very extraordinary with it. Second kind of general takeaway about Christian service that I see from this foot washing experience is this. Is Christian service will be dirty, smelly, and humbling. There will be times that serving in the name of Jesus will just be dirty, smelling, and humbling. Foot washing is nasty work. It's just, it's nasty work. I mean, you just think about it. Having to wash somebody's feet at the end of a hard day of their work, they're covered in this grimy, sweaty muck on their feet, and you know, I've just imagined that one of those one of those guys, there are only 11 of them there by this time, but one of those 11 probably had a big old infected ingrown toenail, you know, and Jesus has got his face down in that thing, and he's just cleaning. Serving like Jesus will bring us into experience like this. See, those men that day, they weren't the Manny Petty kind of guys. You know, I'm not knocking Manny Petty for men. If you that's your thing, you do it, baby. But... These guys weren't Manny Petty kind of guys. 
these, these were rough guys. They probably hardly ever washed their own feet, you know. They, they just went, went on in life, and Jesus is stopping and serving them this way. Friends, serving the Jesus way will not be glamorous. It, it will sometimes be difficult. If we were in Britain, I would say it will offend your finer senses. It just will. Serving Jesus will often do that. A third general takeaway that I see about Christian service that I learned from what Jesus is doing here in foot washing is Christian service will also get beneath the service and to the soul. See, Jesus had something deeper that he was trying to impact than just the feet of his disciples. He was going after something that was going on in their souls. I believe this made them all feel very awkward and uncomfortable. And it made them so uncomfortable that Peter, now remember, Peter often did this. Peter would just bort things out. The other disciples were probably thinking it. Peter just says it. He's just kind of like the mouthpiece. He, he can't hold back. And Peter looks at Jesus and says, you're never washing my feet. You're just not going to wash my feet. He says that in verse 8. Peter just borts out what I think all the disciples are thinking. I think it was all in their minds. But see, Jesus stepped into this demeaning role. You know, they, they would see it that way because their thinking was, only slaves do that. Only people beneath us do that kind of thing. Lord, don't touch my feet. It's just, it's, it's beneath you. See, here's the deal. What, what Jesus was doing is, what, is not what bothered them. It's that he was doing it to them. It, he was the one doing See, in their minds, foot washing was okay if you were of a lower status than they were. They, they would have received it that way. But because Jesus was doing this to them, it blew all of their preconceptions. It blew all of their kind of cultural status structures. So kind of here's a question that I think you've probably already thought about. If, if foot washing was kind of a common courtesy in that day, and it was, and if these guys loved one another, if they were really friends and doing life together, and, and they, they, they were, why hadn't one of them offered to wash the feet of the others? Or at least why hadn't one of them said, Jesus, let me wash your feet? What, what, what was it about them? Anybody recall what was the ongoing dispute among the disciples? It, this was kind of a common, it, it occurs throughout the Gospels. What they argued about the most? What was it? Who's the greatest? It's not in the text that we read, but later on today, if you will go to Luke chapter 22, Luke records what went on in that upper room that night too. John didn't record this part, and that was while they were there that night, in that context, they got into an argument about who was going to be the greatest. Now, I don't know this for certain. This is just kind of Joe think. But I believe it was in that moment that Jesus, without saying a word, got up, took off his tunic, put on a towel, and started to serve. Just, just started to wash their feet in the in the midst of that dispute over who was going to be the greatest Jesus who was going to be crucified the next morning for their sin for our sin he gets up I believe in that moment listening to them bicker and argue and he starts washing their feet 
Friends, foot washing, Christian service, serving yourself and living that way, those are mutually exclusive concepts. You know, in that room that evening were gathered men who had filthy feet, but they also had hearts filled with pride. They had hearts that were just wrecked with pride. They continuously fought about position, power, and prestige. But none of them would lift a bowl or a towel for another. And so I think because they got caught, Peter protests because he's stunned. And their arrogant pride kind of got laid bare by Jesus' humility. This humble Christ breaking through these pride-hardened men's hearts. Friends, the truth about Christian service is it, like nothing else, has the capacity to break through hard hearts. Loudmouth hard hearts. Friends, you know, Peter was a loudmouth. We live in a world today that is filled with pride-filled, loud-mouth people. Would you agree? I mean, it's almost like some days it's overwhelming. Just all of the, the hollering that's going on out there. And what broke through that day was serving sacrificially, humbly. That's what Christian service does. A fourth thing that Christian service does that I see here is this. Christian service is indispensable because human need is perpetual. Christian service is indispensable because human need is perpetual. And what that simply means is um, human need's not going away. Another way to say it is this. Everybody's got dirty feet. All of us do. See, serving will, will, will never lack need. It, 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 it never will. People are desperate to be served in the name of Jesus. And so there will be space for this until Jesus returns and he meets all human need in himself. When Christ returns, that's when that that will cease to be needed. And there's nothing that opens the door to the beauty of the gospel message than to see the demonstration of the gospel's power through Christian service. See, Jesus demonstrated the power of the kingdom of God through acts of service. And then he would speak about the power of the kingdom of God using his words. Demonstrating almost always preceded his teaching. And and Jesus would, would do that in this setting. And oftentimes when Jesus would do that and in his teaching, Jesus was a master at asking those soul-probing questions that just dug deeply. And so when Jesus finished washing their feet, the Bible tells us in verse 12 of John 13, he looked at them and he asked this question, do you understand what I have done to you? The answer is no. They didn't get it. They didn't understand. To even have a context for what Jesus was doing, we've got to jump back to verses 1 and 3. Look back at verse 1. It says this, having, this, is, this set the stage for what was about to happen. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and he had come from God, and he was returning to God. And he asked, in the context of that, he asked them this question, do you understand? Of course they didn't understand yet, but they would. 
And because they didn't understand, the greatest teacher who ever lived decided he had to engage them in this moment. He, he lived something out. He gave them this object lesson of service. And then he, he says, this is who I am. I, I have come to do this. He, he helps them through this understand later that this, this explains why I'm going to do what I do tomorrow when I give my life as a ransom. When I sacrifice myself, the ultimate act of service that Jesus does on the cross that day, he, he humbles himself completely and sacrifices everything so that he could be connected to you. So that he would never have to be without you if you would trust him. And so he teaches them this truth. In, in verse 13, he says, you call me teacher and Lord. And guess what? You're right. For so I am. That's, that's who I am. This is the absolute truth. You need to connect. to th This is truth. But Jesus never just stops with truth. He never just stops with a, a precept. When he's trying to help you understand what flourishing looks like in his kingdom, he gives us this truth. But then he goes on to say in verses 14 and 15, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Jesus is saying to his followers here, if you want the kind of life, the abundant life that I have come to offer you, if you want the kind of life that I, I've come to give, you'll only find it when you come to live like I live. It's a life of service. It's not a life of looking for how big your throne's going to be. It's a life of serving others. It's a life that washes feet. You know, it's not, it's not the, the work you would think of that the Son of God would come and do. The, the work of a servant. No wonder the disciples in that day were confused and uh, upset even. Why they, they protested. You know, just again, 10 minutes earlier, they were fussing about who was going to be the greatest. And Jesus just blew that away. And so Jesus is saying then and saying today, if you're going to be my disciples, go wash some dirty feet. When you serve me in your kingdom, go wash some dirty feet. The kingdom will take care of itself. You go, you go serve. So Jesus has given his disciples this precept of truth of who he is. And then he gives them this pathway to live it out, to do what, what he says. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop with just, you know, giving you a precept, something to go do, and give you a pathway to go do it on. Jesus always gives a promise for what that will look like. And so in verse 17, he says this, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. You'll have the blessing of God on you if you do them. How many of you have ever seen the movie Chariots of Fire? Okay, if you haven't, it's a pretty good little flick. It's about a, a, an Olympian, a gold medal Olympian named Eric Liddell, and he was also a missionary in China. And one of the things that that uh, movie kind of made famous was a statement that he made. And it, it was this. He said, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And I, uh, when I run, I feel his pleasure. It's a great statement about feeling the purpose and pleasure of God. But there's a lesser known statement that uh, Eric, Eric made. And it's this. You will know as much of God and only as much of God as you were willing to put into practice. You will know as much of God and only as much of God as you are willing to put into practice. 
So your life will flourish in the kingdom of God in proportion to how much of it you're willing to put into practice the life of Christ. The only real way to flourish in this life is to flourish in the way of Jesus and in the way of serving. So real quickly, I'm going to blow through five ways that we see Jesus serving here. Five ways that we can follow Jesus into flourishing. Remember, Jesus in, in verse 15 said, I've given you an example that you also should do what I have done. And so by humbly serving, Jesus did that. So let's, let's follow him into these acts of service. The first one is this. Jesus served out of his identity in relation to his father. He served out of his identity in relation to his father. Every act of service that Jesus engaged was based and rooted entirely in knowing that he was God's son. Trusting that he had heard his father speak those words over him. In verse 3, it tells us that Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he knew who he was. All that Jesus did flowed from his identity that his Father had given him, the Father of all creation. Friends, you and I, if we are ever going to really get to the place where we are serving like Jesus served, out of humility, and it, and it be sustainable, It's only going to happen when we serve out of our identity. Now, many of you are familiar with these and have some. Um, If you're not, I would encourage you to stop by. There's a little card carrier on the way out on the A hallway and grab one of these, Who I Am in Christ. Because these are truths from Scripture about who you are. And until these truths sink deep into your heart, you'll never sustain serving. It'll never happen for you. But you've got to know that the Bible says that in Christ, you're a saint. In Christ, you're, there's no condemnation for you. In, in, in Christ, you're a beloved child of God. In Christ, you're his friend. There so many other truths about who you are. And if you are to serve as Jesus served in any sustainable way, you've got to do it out of who God says you are. Not who the world says you are, not, not who anyone says you are, but just Jesus alone. Jesus served out of his identity in relation to his Father. Secondly, we see this. Jesus saw the need and he moved to meet it. Jesus saw a need and he moved to meet it. The Bible says in verse 4, he rose from supper. Now again, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I'm certain about this, but I just personally, it's conviction for me, I believe it's true, that Jesus saw the need in the hearts of those men who were still at that late hour in their, their journey with him, were still arguing about who was the greatest. And Jesus, Jesus thought, I'm going to put a stop to this. I'm just going to stop this right now. He saw them just completely missing the point of why he came, and he wanted them to flourish and knew they never would if they didn't move beyond this. See, a, a servant's heart looks for opportunities to serve and, and moves. Doesn't wait. Doesn't wait for Pastor Guy to plan an event that we can go serve in. It, it, you, move, you move into it to meet it. The third thing that we see Jesus doing here is in that act of taking off that tunic, that outer garment, Jesus humbled himself in a humiliating way. He exposed himself. He was very vulnerable. And what Jesus was doing in that movement was he was removing his greatness and getting down on his knees to serve. Verse 4 tells us that he laid aside his outer garments. And Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm disrobing my greatness to humbly serve you. It's not going to be about my greatness. It's going to be about my, my service. He left heaven. He, he, he took off the robe of glory and put on human flesh. It was an act of humility. 
One writer says that Jesus descended into greatness. See, God, his father, had given him a name that was above every other name. And Jesus laid all that aside. And you and I, if we're going to serve like Jesus, if we're going to flourish in in this life, then one of the things we've got to do is we've got to disrobe our pursuit of power, our pursuit of prestige, our, 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 our pursuits that disfeed what we want. We got to pick up a towel and a basin. Fourth thing that Jesus, Jesus did was Jesus didn't wait for applause or thanks. The Bible says in verse four that he began to wash the disciples' feet. Jesus went from one disciple to the next disciple to the next disciple. He didn't stop to wait on them to thank him. We we have no record of any of them speaking. I again I believe they were utterly dumbfounded. He didn't wait for applause of, of, of saying, hey, Jesus, you're so great that you would humbly serve us this way. Jesus didn't use words. He let his actions speak louder than words. He just began to wash. He didn't wait on some kind of accolade from, from somebody else. He served humbly and sacrificially. And then lastly, I see this. Jesus served, though deterred. Even though he... He, he, Peter tried to deter him, even though Peter pushed back, you know, even though he said to Jesus, you'll never wash my feet. There's a part of me, if I'd have been Jesus, I'd have thought, Peter, I don't know what else to do for you, bull. I have tried and I've tried and I've tried. So, okay, keep your feet dirty. But Jesus didn't. Even though Jesus felt Peter push him away. Jesus pressed in. Friends, when you serve in the kingdom of God, there are going to be moments when you get pushed away. There are going to be moments when someone that you serve will bite back. They're just going to come come at you. See, Jesus showed us how, how to live even in an environment like that. Jesus closed that moment with those disciples saying now, as I've done to you, you do with one another. You do it in the world. So I want to close with this question. Who, who are you going to wash the feet of this week? Whose feet are you going to wash this week? Who, who is the Holy Spirit already telling you, you need to get up and, and, and go serve? Because this world is looking for humble servants. They're looking for servants before they're looking for our truth. They're looking to, to be served. Who are you going to take up the towel and the basin so that their life might flourish as well as yours? Sometimes it feels like and seems like we think that Jesus said at the end of that teaching, blessed are you when you know what I know. Is that what Jesus said? No. Jesus said, blessed are you when you do what I do. Let's pray. Lord, we come in your precious name. We come acknowledging the beauty of your service in our own lives, not just from an account from the scriptures, but the way that you have served us 
first serving us on the cross, first loving us first. And we come just thanking you, Jesus, that you are such a great servant just for your heart of service. We praise your name. But we know that you want to do work in our lives, just like you did in the disciples that day, that there are places where pride fills us and keeps us from serving. There are places where we're more about our own needs being met or our own wants being met or our own desires being fulfilled. And so, Jesus, in in this moment, we just come saying that's true about us. And like the disciples that day, there are moments when, when you ask us, do you know what I've done for you? And if we're being truthful, we'd have to say, not fully, not completely. But Jesus, we come today wanting to know. We come today wanting to come to you saying we want that life of flourishing that flows through humble service. So we pray that you would change your hearts, Jesus. We want, we want more of you. We want to be more like you, Jesus. And for all of us, that starts by recognizing what he did on the cross to save us. And so maybe if you're here today and you're thinking, I want to pursue that life, it starts with naming Jesus as your own personal Savior and Lord, repenting of your sin and turning and putting your total trust for the way to best live life in him. So that you begin to actually believe and know that serving is better than being served. Jesus, we want more of you. We want to be more like you. Maybe in these next moments as we, our worship team leads us in a song, maybe uh, rather than standing immediately, maybe, maybe you need to allow the Holy Spirit just do some work in your heart. Maybe there's some places that you just need to say, Jesus, I've, I've been living self-centered. I've been living pride-filled. And I want to let that go because I want to flourish in you, in my life in you. So, Lord, we come right now. We come in these moments to offer ourselves to you. Speak to us. We'll respond. We'll follow you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray.